Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. If you have, um, I trust you brought maybe a notebook. I always, when I attend meetings, whether it's a Sunday morning service or whether it's a conference, I always endeavor to bring with me a notebook, a pen, so that I can take notes. Because it's impossible for any one of us to retain all that is said And there are certain things that the Spirit of God would prompt or switch the light on within your spirit, and you need to take a note of it that you don't lose it, you don't forget it. In fact, one of my favorite preachers once said that uh, he always goes around with his New Testament in his pocket and a notebook. And the Lord may speak to him, he said, while he's about doing his daily work, and he would stop and write down what the Spirit of God impressed. I like that. Also, I'd like to ask you to excuse me for wearing my sunglasses while I am preaching. You look cool, Pastor. Thank you, sir. (laughs) My left eye has been giving me a bit of a problem, and the glare and the light uh, distracts me or... And it will distract you as well. So, am I okay in preaching with the sunglasses? Michael says, I look cool. Another guy said to me the other day, you look like a mafia. (laughs) But anyway, I'd rather choose the word cool. What I want to teach you this morning is what the Spirit of God has taught me through the years. I'm going to teach you from the wealth of my experience over 40 years of walking with God. So I pray you got your spiritual ears on, and you're going to listen, not only listen, but put into practice that which the Spirit of God has laid upon my heart to teach you this morning. Are we on the same page? The title of my message is, The Value of Spiritual Meditation. The value of spiritual meditation, and this is part one. If your pastor will allow me to continue part two, then we'll have to do it at his discretion. Amen? All right. In our Sunday evening services, in case you didn't know, we have a service every Sunday evening, and that is for our international partners. Every Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, in whom Natasha is part of that uh, fellowship, I teach people that are part of our spiritual families, but they live very far away from us. Natasha lives in Germany. Michael Weiss lives in the UK. Others live in the United States. And some of them live in Zimbabwe and others in Cyprus. So, We have a service every Sunday evening. It's not for you. It's for international partners. Okay? So, we just finished a series of teachings on the mind of Christ. 
understanding the mind of Christ. And the things we emphasized throughout the series is that the mind of Christ does not work independently from our will. In other words, the mind of Christ, the thoughts of Christ, are subject to our will. And according to the Apostle Paul, we need to allow that mind of Christ, or as he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he writes to the Philippians and he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That means we are responsible for renewing our minds according to the word or disciplining our minds to think the thoughts of God or the thoughts of Christ. Amen? Are you with me? So it's your responsibility, not God's, to renew your mind, to discipline your mind, to think constantly on the thoughts of God, the will of God, the Word of God. So the Bible says that the mind of Christ or the spiritual mind leads us to life and peace. But the mind of the flesh leads to spiritual death and corruption. In Galatians... Chapter 6 and verse 8, we read the following. For he who sows, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, I don't know how you interpret sowing to the Spirit, but for me... To sow to the Spirit means that we allow a spiritual mind, the mind of Christ, to govern and permeate our thought life so that we think and we act as though Christ acts through us. That's how I understand it. And so we must allow the mind of Christ to govern and dominate our thoughts and our attitudes. And in studying this subject throughout the three weeks that I taught on it, we discovered an important principle. And it is this. One of the most effective ways to obtain the mind of Christ, to let the mind of Christ be in us, is by meditating in the Word of God day and night. By keeping our minds on things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That is one of the most effective ways that we can allow or let the mind of Christ be in us. And it is according to Joshua chapter 1 and Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3. We obtain a spiritual mind by constantly meditating on the Word of God. Let's read these two foundational scriptures. The first one is taken from Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. The Lord told Joshua right on the onset, at the beginning of his mission of his ministry, that if he wants to be successful, 
If he wants to prosper in his mission, this is what he needed to do. And he said, this book of the law, meaning the word of God, in those days they only had the Torah, the five books of the old covenant, must not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe, notice the word observe, what happens when you meditate in the word? You begin to observe, you begin to see, you begin to understand how to implement what you read, how to put it into action, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, for then, when, when you do these things, meditate in the word day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God does not make our way prosperous. We do. Did you hear that? When we take what God has given us, and we put it into practice, we exercise, whether it's a gift, whether it's the Word, whether it's His Spirit, allow Him to work through us, we make our way prosperous. So if you're not successful and prosperous in life, you don't have anyone else to blame but yourself. Can you say amen to that? So it's time we stop blaming the government, the politics, the, the economic situation of the country, our neighbors, our husbands, our wives, the church that we go to, and start pointing the finger at us. If we're not successful, if we're not prosperous, according to the Word of God, we, we are the ones to blame and not anybody else. So far, you agree with me? Hello? I can't hear you. Well, somebody agrees. All right. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is one of my favorite portions of the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinners, uh, sorry, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does. Wow, what a promise. What a statement that God makes here. Whatever he does will prosper, will bear fruit. Amen. But there is a condition, and we just read it. Now, speaking about the principle or the art of meditation, which I might say, by and large, is a neglected principle in the body of Christ, or even a forgotten practice by most of us. Say amen. Very few people in the body of Christ really meditate or know how to meditate in the Word. There are approximately, from my own study, I discovered nine different kinds of meditation. Nine. 
But the one, of course, we are interested in, and we should not confuse it with any other, is spiritual meditation. And spiritual meditation is solely based on the Word of the living God. It is the practice of meditating in the Word as the Spirit of truth guides us into deeper understanding of the Holy Scriptures. You know, there are so many kinds of Eastern meditations and cults and man yoga and all. I'm not talking, forget it. I'm talking about spiritual meditation that is based solely on the Word of God. Let me give you the word meditate. The definition of the word meditate means to reflect deeply on a subject. Synonyms of meditation is, I like this, chew over, contemplate, excogitate. I'll explain that word. I had to look it up in the dictionary. Mull over, muse, ponder, reflect, ruminate. That's another difficult word. Speculate. Think. All of those are synonyms to the word meditate. Now, the word excogitate means to study intently and carefully in order to grasp or comprehend fully. The word ruminate, it's what cows do when they chew the cud. They bring it up and they chew it. They bring it up again and they chew it. And then they bring it up and they chew it. That's called ruminate. It means to chew over and over again to obsessively, obsessively revisit the same thought or theme over and over again. That's what it means. Are you with me so far? And as I mentioned to you, this practice... This principle of spiritual meditation is by and large neglected or forgotten by most of us in the church. And the reason being is because we have not seen the value of spiritual meditation. And when you, when you don't see the value of something, you don't make time for it. Amen? We seem to be so busy with everything and anything else. But we neglect to make time. And I'm talking about quality time. Sitting alone in the stillness of your soul, in the quietness of your soul, and think about what God says. What about the portion of Scripture that you just read? Asking the right questions. Placing yourself in the midst of that situation and beginning to see with the eyes of your spirit whom did Jesus say those words to? In what context did he say that? How do I fit in this? And you take time and you study and you think and what I do oftentimes, I imagine myself in the center of what I read. You know, I'll tell you this. The reason we experience failure in life, in every sphere of life, is because 
we fail to put into practice the instructions that were given to us by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You might as well say, Amen. God specifically instructed Joshua that if he was to prosper and be successful in his mission, he was to engage with God's word by not letting it depart from his mouth. He was to be speaking it all the time and by meditating in it day and night and putting it into practice. I'll give you my testimony. It's a very short one concerning this subject. In my own experience and study of the Word, I learned to meditate very early in my Christian walk. Not because somebody taught me another human being, but it seemed like unconsciously I was led by the Spirit to meditate. And I'm convinced of this. If we are sensitive and if we are close to the Holy Spirit, not only will He guide you to meditation, not only will He show you how to meditate, but He will guide you into all truth concerning every area of your life. He will give you wisdom. He will whisper words of faith, of wisdom, of instruction concerning the situation you're facing, whether you're facing a problem in your marriage or in a relationship or in your finances, He will guide you and show you what to do. And as you do, you have a breakthrough. Amen. The, the Word of God says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, that the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, that you do not need anyone to teach you. But the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Have you ever been taught by the anointing of the Spirit? I tell you, there is no substitute. There is no substitute to that. I don't care who you listen to, preacher, I'm talking about a physical being, how well, how gifted they are. There is no substitute than being taught by the unction and the anointing of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. This one practice for me, combined with prayer has made such a tremendous and a significant impact in my spiritual growth and development. This, this one practice alone, meditating in the Word, combined with prayer, just sitting in the presence of God and listening to the Holy Spirit as I meditate on His Word. And many times as I sit quietly, this is, a, this is my custom, ever since I got born again, Lately, especially when in the ministry, I just sit in the presence of God. Maybe I don't pray much or I don't talk much, but I listen much. And I sit comfortably. I don't kneel. I'm not comfortable when I'm kneeling. I sit and I listen. And oftentimes the Spirit of God would would remind me of certain individuals, what they're going through, if they need encouragement, if they need prayer. And I listen. And when I do, he may give me instructions. 
I sit down and I write them a text or an email or, or something. It seems like I'm in communication with the people that are entrusted to my care all the time. You ask them, they'll tell you. How did I learn to do that? Led by the Spirit. Led. It is through meditation I've learned to see things in the Spirit. To hear things in the Spirit. And that has helped to prepare me for what lies ahead in my future. For what is to come. Many times I would see myself ahead right in front there, doing certain things. Where I miss it is in the timing. And because of that, my heart, my, my soul, my mind, and including my family at times when the kids were young, helped me to prepare for what is to come. Didn't Jesus say when the Spirit comes, He will show you. One of the things He'll do, He'll do what? He will show you things to come. He wasn't just talking about future events in the world. He was going to show you things that God prepared for you according to the plan of God for your life that are to come. Why? So that you can prepare yourself for those things. And when it's time to step into them, you just slip into them without much difficulty. He makes you... Flexible and adjustable if you listen to the Spirit. Some of you have no clue what awaits you down the road. And the reason being is because you're not talking to the Spirit and you're not meditating in the Word. Hello? Don't fall asleep on me now. Amen? You see... How can we get him to speak to us if we never take the time to meditate and fellowship with his word? How would he speak to you? He doesn't shout. The Bible says he will never raise his voice in the street. You read that in Isaiah 42, I think. Amen. All of us want prosperity and success. But not many of us, I believe, are willing to fulfill the requirements of it. And one of those requirements is to regularly and consistently meditate in the Word of God. And he said to Joshua, as you do that, you will observe. Observe. The word observe means to see, to understand, to perceive, or to notice. So in meditation... You see things from God's perspective. You understand the mind of Christ. And you are empowered, or rather you see, how to practice what the Lord has shown you. And that's what meditation does. So spiritual understanding comes through meditation. You want spiritual understanding? It's not going to come any other way. There is natural understanding and there is spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding comes through meditation. This is how we perceive and understand spiritual things. Not with the natural understanding, but with spiritual. Amen? Amen. So you see here that 
natural understanding comes, of course, through our five physical senses. What we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we touch, what we smell. But spiritual understanding comes through meditation. So meditation in the Word produces revelation. Revelation in the Word leads to action. And action leads to success and prosperity. You see, one after the other. When you meditate, the Word is revealed to you. Revelation gives you the ability, the power to act. Because through revelation comes faith. And faith always acts on the Word of God. As you act and put into practice what is revealed, you have a breakthrough. Amen? Also, meditation facilitates communication and conversation. Meditation in the Word facilitates your conversation and your communication with the Father. Amen? You see what happens in the practice of meditation. This is what I've discovered. There is a conversation going on with my born-again spirit and my mind. They begin to communicate. The Holy Spirit helps my spirit to communicate and convey to my mind what is hearing on the basis of the Word of God. Have you ever read in the Bible where God says, Come, let us reason together? He's inviting us to converse, to put forth our case, to communicate with Him. So in meditation, my spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, is communicating with my unrenewed mind. And what does it do? As it passes revelation, my mind, the lights are turned on. Oh, hallelujah. That's how your mind is renewed. Do you see that? But on the basis of the promises of God, on the Word of God. Amen. You see, our spirits, our born-again spirits, are far more intelligent, far more educated than what your mind is. In fact, the Word of God says, you know all things. Where do I know? Why don't I put it into use? Because it hasn't come from here to here. Amen? Your spirit is intelligent. And it is your spirit alone that knows who you really are in the spirit and who God created you to be. And your spirit knows the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Every stage of your life has been written, the Bible says, in his book. You read that? Psalm 139. Before you were even born, God wrote a book about your life. And there are chapters and seasons in that book that God has written for you. Your spirit knows your future. You don't have to go anywhere else for him to prophesy what your future holds. Your spirit knows but what the Spirit knows within you must be transferred into your mind so you can act on it, so you can understand it. And the only way you're going to find out the will of God, the purpose of God for your life, who you are in the Spirit, is from your Spirit. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, Nobody knows what is in man except the spirit which is in man. Likewise, nobody knows the thoughts of God except the spirit which is of God. And we have received now not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know those things which are freely given to us of God. Why do you think God gave his spirit to you? So you can just speak in tongues? There's far more to that. So that you may know, know the hidden things of God that the devil has no idea. Amen? And the only way we're going to get it is by revelation, through meditation. Are you still with me? Paul writing to the believers in Ephesus prays. He prays. What does he pray? Listen to what he prays. That the eyes of your understanding or mind may be enlightened so that you may know. He's talking about revelation knowledge here, not natural knowledge. In the Greek, there are two words for knowledge. One is gnosis, which is natural knowledge. The other is epignosis, which is revelation knowledge, knowledge that you get only from the Spirit. Amen? And he prays. Ephesians 1.18, he says, that the eyes of your understanding or mind, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, Lord, who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. He asks for three things. Number one. And he's asking for the kind of revelation knowledge. He asks that... The eyes of your mind may be opened and understand what is attached to God's calling of your life. Number two, to know and comprehend the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints. And number three, to have a revelation of the exceeding greatness of God's power to us, Lord, who believe. Amen. What a prayer. I pray this prayer often because it's an apostolic prayer that you can pray it every day for the people you pray for. In fact, he doesn't ask for anything else. In all of his prayers, this is what he asks for. To the Colossians, he writes and he says, I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Because that is foundational. Second, meditation involves asking the right questions. Meditation in the Word involves asking the right questions. We learn by asking questions, folks. And if you read and study, the Hebrew rabbis gauged the, the maturity of their disciples by the questions they were asking. Remember, the disciples came to Jesus again and again and again asking questions. 
They tried to cast out the demon from a little boy, and they failed. They came to Jesus privately. Master, why couldn't we cast this demon out? Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus would have explained to them why if they didn't ask the question? I seriously doubt it. But the questions uh, spoke about the hunger to understand spiritual things. Many years ago, probably... How long have we been married? 48 years, maybe 40 years ago. I remember in one incident, we were at the old house in Zimbabwe, Masvingo, and I don't know what happened. And my, my wife raised her voice at me, and I got upset and offended. Right there and then I asked the Lord, Lord, why does she have to raise her voice at me? Immediately the Spirit answered. You know what he said? That's the only way you get to hear what she says. Case in point. (laughs) Where am I now? (laughs) Asking the right questions. Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. And this unbelief is the result of your prayerlessness and your indulgence to your flesh. Because this kind, he says, doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. He wasn't talking about the demon. He was talking about the unbelief. The stronghold of unbelief is the result of prayerlessness and indulging our flesh. Not fasting, in other words. Then they came again. Lord, teach us to pray. What did Jesus do? He sat them down and he taught them how to pray. You remember that? Over and over again, Jesus is teaching the crowd, giving them parables, just throwing truth out there. And the Bible says, privately, the disciples asked him, Lord, please explain to us, what did you mean by that? And he sat down with them and explained, the Bible says, everything. Do you think that if they didn't ask questions... He would explain anything to them. You see, God doesn't want to force himself on you or on I. He's a perfect gentleman. Amen? You ask and you receive. Why didn't you pray for me? Did you ask for prayer? (coughs) Hello? The Bible says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And do what? Let them anoint him with oil. In the name of the Lord and pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith will save the sick and if you have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. When you're sick, did you call for the elders? No. So don't complain they didn't pray for you. Hello? Ask. My wife says, well, you didn't tell me about this. I said, you didn't ask. I'm just like the Lord Jesus. You ask and you, <laughs> and you receive. But you didn't tell me. When I said, did you ask? If you don't ask, what does it tell me? It means you're not interested. You don't care. You don't want to know. So if you don't want to know, why must I tell you? Are you there? Ask the right questions. And in meditation, this is what we do. We ask the right questions. Lord, what did you mean by this? And who helps us to ask the right questions? The Holy Spirit, of course. Amen? Amen. 
You know, Jesus is with us today in the person of the Holy Spirit. You know that, don't you? He is right here. We also can learn by asking the right questions. And the practice of asking the right questions takes place as we meditate in his words. Amen? Let me give you an example of how I do it. Because so often, I say this a number of times, we preachers and teachers think or assume the people know. But really, no, they don't. Unless we show them. Can I show you how I do it? Okay. Take, for example, the healing or the miracle of the paralytic that was, um, that was lowered down after they broke the tiles into the presence of Jesus and the Lord spoke up and healed the man. You recall that incident? I'm sure if you're a Bible scholar, you know what I'm talking about. I've noticed this, that this specific miracle is recorded in the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew says very little about the miracle. Mark gives more details and Luke gives details that Mark didn't give. I have noticed in, I've read all three accounts, and that's what you should do as well. Rich, I got so much out of it. I've read all three accounts. And you know, prayerfully, and I noticed in the, in the Gospel of St. Mark, he mentions the number of men that lowered him down from the roof. And he mentions the number four. So I meditate, number four. Why did Mark put number four there? I ask. He just could have said what Matthew said. They lowered him down, never mentioned any number. And I've come to find out after studying that one of the significance of number four is the number of support and stability. Number four is the number of support and stability, and number four also refers to our four different areas of life, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. You with me? How grateful must this ex-paralyzed man have been for these wonderful friends that cared enough to go into so much trouble and inconvenience to get him in the presence of Jesus. They had to climb up. That wasn't easy. On top, they had to break through the roof. Imagine, imagine the, the, the owner of the house and the screaming that he did at them. When he saw the roof of his house just all of a sudden being broken up. But these four friends loved and cared for him so much that they were willing to go through all of that in order to bring the man into the presence of the Lord to get him healed. And I thought to myself, Lord, every believer needs at least four of these friends. 
that he could call at any time, whether it's midnight or early in the morning when he has a crisis or where he needs prayer. I tell you, these four precious friends, if you have them, they are more precious than gold and silver. People that when they say to you, I will pray for you, they will do so, not just say they will pray and never pray. Amen? Amen. Then the Spirit arrested me and took me back years when I started this fellowship. And even before, and reminded me of certain individuals that walked with me, that cried with me, that supported me, and stabilized my ministry. And tears came to my eyes. And I sat down, prompted by the Spirit, and I wrote to these individuals an email. And I thanked them for their support. I thanked them for the love. Some of them are not even in the ministry today with me. One of them wrote back and said, Bless you, Andrea, you made my day. You sealed my day with your kind and thoughtful words. Another person I called on the phone. I don't mind telling you who it was. Anna Spiro, she was weeping over the phone when I shared my gratitude. This woman prayed for me, for Stephen, and she prophesied when she, he was a little child that he would come into the ministry and prayed for Helen and for Athena, prayed to, that they may find the right husbands. She wept. She prayed for 35 years. How precious is a friend like that? Today she's a widow. But she made a significant input into my life and ministry. And she was in tears. Why? Because I remembered her. Because she understood that she was remembered, that she was not forgotten, that her investment into my life and ministry bore rich fruit. How did this come about? As you can see, meditation will take you from one level of understanding and revelation to another, from one action of faith to another, as you travel, as you journey with the Lord by the Spirit in the Scriptures. Yes. Remember those who labored in your life. Honor them. And water them so that you might be watered as well. Don't take them for granted. Such friends, they come from heaven, folks. You can't easily find them. Such friends who would lay down their lives for you and your welfare of your family and the welfare of your ministry or your your life, you can't find them easily. And when you find them, honor them appreciate them, and let them know often. Hello? Something that we neglect to do because we take so many things for granted today. And all that came through meditation. Through meditation. 
And here I come to the end of my message, part one. Also, the number four speaks of the four spiritual pillars that stabilized and supported the church in the early days. And here it is. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Four spiritual pillars. And all of us must have those spiritual pillars in our spiritual walk if we are to be supported and if we are to stabilize to be stabilized. Number one, the apostles' doctrine, teaching. Wholesome teaching of the Word of God. Number two, fellowship. You cannot isolate yourself from the body of Christ and think you're going to prosper. You will dry up. And this is one of the most effective weapons of the enemy. People get so often offended because somebody said something, somebody did something, and they isolate themselves, they withdraw from the rest of the body, and that's what the devil wants. The Bible talks in the Old Testament about a certain group of people that they were isolated and far from anyone. They had no connection with anyone, and the enemy came and wiped them out. And so many believers are being wiped out today because they think they can live the Christian life being isolated and separate from the body of Christ. You've got to have fellowship. Yes. And fellowship doesn't have to be a physical. I have fellowship with Natasha. I see her every Sunday. And then I would text her, how are you doing, Natasha? How's Christian? What's happening with your work? I fellowship with those that I shepherd. Amen? Amen. Number three, breaking of bread. Communion, the holy communion. Amen? And number four, prayers. Prayers. You participate in the life of the church. We have in our international ministry, we have a, a, a prayer team we call prayer warriors. Natasha is one of them. Every time we get a prayer request, I put it out, and I hear the response back. We're praying, Pastor. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying. When we get an answer or a testimony, I put it in there, and everybody responds that is part of that. We pray for one another. We care for one another. And in meditation, I ask the Holy Spirit to help us as a ministry team and show us how we can provide all four of these spiritual principles or pillars to our people so that they can be supported and stabilized in the God-given calling and purpose. Amen? Did you learn something today? Are you going to practice meditating in the Word? Otherwise, all that I've said is of no use. But remember this. You've got to make time. This is how I learned. In the beginning of my walk with the Lord, I dedicated 15 minutes. And those 15 minutes were after I finished, closed my store, came home, said hello to my wife, my kids went upstairs. For 15 minutes, then I came down and we had supper every single day. 
And sometimes I would go past the coffee shop and there's all my Greek friends sitting there talking about their days and the business and how much money they made and whether it was busy or quiet. Andrea, come, come, come. Let's have coffee, man. Why you always run away? I said, I've got work to do. He said, what kind of work? You, you closed the business. I said, I have other work to do. I'm going to pray. They knew what I stood for. And I would not compromise that time for anyone. You're going to have to be the same. You make a quality decision. You start small and you grow. A quality decision is a decision from where there is no return. Every morning I get up at half past four, five o'clock, you will find me. Jesus knows where to find me. (laughs) He doesn't have to look for me. He knows every morning I am there. Where are you? Do you get up, hurry up, wash your face, brush your teeth, have your breakfast, and then you get in your car and you drive away and Jesus is standing right there and he says, I wonder, are they ever going to ever talk to me? Are they ever going to talk to me? Hmm? Mary chose the better part. She didn't allow herself to become so busy. She said, Jesus is in the house and I'm not missing this opportunity. Martha, you, you want to go into the kitchen? You want to do this? You can do whatever you like, but I am not. I'm going to sit right here and listen to what he says. She knew who was in the house. Do you know who's in your house? And how much do you value him? Let's pray. Stand, please. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.